The title of my message today is Believe. <laughs> Just the word believe. Now, it's not a question. <laughs> it's a statement. Do you believe? No, it's not a question. We believe. So, what does it mean to believe? Well, the definitions, many of them is, it's to have a firm and wholehearted religious conviction or persuasion to regard the existence of God as a fact. That's kind of when we think of the word believe and the dictionary wrote, first of all, for it to be a religious belief, but it also is to accept something as true, as genuine, as real, to have a firm conviction, to have or see the efficacy or the ability of something, to hold an opinion, I believe so, uh, to consider to be true or honest, you believe the report, um, so as we, to accept the word of evidence. So whenever we are using the word believe, that uh, I think of Acts chapter 16, I didn't give this to Jose, so don't try and jump on it here. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your household. So the understanding is belief is, is, is something that we all have. God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. Uh, a belief. Now, we know that there are people who don't believe. You know, they'll say, well, you know, I don't believe this. And it's, I like what the one TV preacher says, well, it's not for you, it's for believers. <laughs> so I don't believe that happens in the church or in, in the Bible. I don't believe that. Okay, you can, you, that's your belief, but it, this is for believers. So whenever we look at what God wants to do in our life, we're looking at a way in which we believe in the word but the Word is the person of Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the living Word is Christ. And, the, and whenever we think of the Scriptures, that the, the, the understanding of belief and faith, it is quick and active. That the, the Word of God is quick and powerful. That the Word of God is alive and active in our lives. So this is not just... Um, theory. This is not just facts that we put in our mind. This is a living word. It is the living reality of God functioning and flowing through us. So just as real as the blood is pumping through your veins, so is the word of God coming through your life and, and wanting to, um, to work in us, to change our minds, to change our hearts. It is something which originates in the heart and it comes outward. It isn't that we, we sign up for a, a, a list of rules and we keep them, then we become eligible. No, this is we accept Christ in our heart and from the heart we live what we believe. So um, we see that our, our society, our world has a, 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 so many varied beliefs. You know, how do you know which belief is, is right? Well, if you want to know who's right, just ask them. <laughs> You know, just ask them. You know, everybody believes they're right. You know, pick a political party. You know, they're both indescribably correct, you know, in what they, in what they believe. And but they're 
complete opposites. So which one is right? Well, that's how we, I'm not going to talk about that, but uh, we know that there are social clubs, we know that there are organizations, we know that there are places that we join, that there, there is a, a revisitation of the ancient religions, trying to bring them back and to believe in those things that didn't work in the past, but suddenly they're now going to work because we have a greater understanding. So uh, go figure. So belief is something that is very personal and it can be as misguided as, you know, a few years ago the uh, people in California, they killed themselves because they were going to, they wanted to board a planet that was the closest, you know, a meteor or something that was closest to Earth at that time and never be there again. So they were going to die and jump on that planet and go with it. (laughs) Okay, so, (laughs) you know, there, there are a lot of, varied beliefs, but what I'm speaking of today is the belief and the understanding that we have of the Scripture, because the Scripture speaks to us of Christ, who is the Messiah, who is the living Word, and who is the one who provides salvation for all who believe. So I have a firm conviction, a wholehearted religious understanding that I am persuaded to put my hope in, in this life and the life to come, of the existence of God. And that God is, and there's two parts to this, and it's somewhere in my notes, but there's two parts. We must believe that God is, and that God is one who believes in us. (laughs) You see, it's, it's not just enough to believe in God, but we have to believe that he wants to work in our lives, that he wants to live within us so that we, uh, as, uh, as an individual, have this almighty God abiding within our hearts and minds to nudge us, to move us forward in our faith. You see, um, our personal belief, belief in ourselves. Now, Sometimes we would say, well, that's not a good thing. You shouldn't believe in yourself. Well, no, that's not true. We need to believe that what this person is. You have to, you have to believe enough in yourself to get behind the car and drive. <laughs> you have to believe in yourself enough to go to work or wherever you're going and to uh, be active in interactions with you know, what your, your job is or who you're visiting. And you have to believe in yourself enough to be there, to go there. But that's not a bad thing. God believes in you. God believes in us. He believes in us so much that he has brought us into the body of Christ. He has made us a part of his body where we are part of this living body of Christ that is bringing the message of God to our world. And our world can be just our neighbors, our friends, or, you know, going around the world, you know. So it's, it's important that we understand that God has chosen us. We thought it's, we, we chose him. The you know, Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. <laughs> God believes in us and has chosen us to be his child. Now, God calls everyone to be his child. And so I am a special child, but so is each individual. We are all on this same level that God chooses us to be his child, and in this place of choice, we are blessed. We are blessed with his divine favor to flow within our lives, to go about our daily tasks, to to live our lives and know that God is with us. But the problem is, (laughs) might know there'd be a catch, you know. (laughs) 
The problem is we live in a society that stresses image. Hmm. Even in the church, sometimes you've got to... You, can, you, ever go, you ever be in a crowd and you look around and say, that's a preacher. <laughs> I, I can tell a preacher. You just look at him, you know. He's just different. Um, that's a good different. <laughs> sometimes not. But anyhow... Um, we, we, can look, we live in a society that stress, stresses image, and you need to dress the correct way, you need to look a certain way, you need to drive a certain car, you need to live in a certain place, you need to have a certain job, you have to be the member of a right club, you have to go to the right church, you have to not go to the right... You see, there's all these messages in our society where we change our belief, <laughs> we change what we believe to fit in with a certain group. And we call that peer pressure. You believe something so that you can get along with or fit in with someone else. But you see, it's easy to go through life trying to impress people, but we end up not being the person who we are. We're just this person lost in this society of what's going on. So we want to show people that we're strong. We want to let people know we have it all together. We want to let people know that we are important. <laughs> we belong to a certain fraternity. We belong to a certain organization. I mean, and you think about that, that young man who died in the fraternity at, at State College, that he died wanting to belong. And everything he wanted to belong to, those individuals simply didn't understand where he was at in his hazing or whatever they were doing and they left him die so wanting to belong to something so can so much control what you are that it'll destroy you and the intent was not on either side to be destroyed it was just trying to belong um, so we don't want to belong to that type of an organization we want to belong to Christ. And in Christ, we have this belief. You see, if we believe, we can be, we can be sincere in our belief and be sincerely wrong. <laughs> so sincerity is not the, the measuring uh, rod, the measuring stick of, of whether a person is right or wrong. People can be sincerely wrong. And they may believe what they believe and they, they may have it all in their head and having it in their head is good, but there is, there is a Christ Christ is, and our belief in Christ is that he has risen from the dead and he is alive so that we will live in him and his word will live in us. So we have this confidence. <laughs> now the confidence that we have is not a mask. So I'm getting through all these things about belief, you know, that it's, it's, it's not giving up who we are to fit in with the crowd. It is not a mask. It is not something we wear whenever we go to church or whenever we uh, talk about religious things, you know. Uh, I see it a lot whenever uh, I, I, sometimes people find out I'm a minister, you know. Well, then they, they take the mask on where they're at, and they put it down, they put on their religious mask, you know. Oh, hi, I am so-and-so, I go to so-and-so's church, you know, and I know that I'm a good person. Slap, slap, and then they start cursing and doing all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like a mask, you gotta put this on. You know, which, which, which mask do I wear today? Well. We don't need a mask. <laughs> that we don't need to pretend. We believe. We believe that we are accepted 
by God for who we are. Sometimes we think we should be somebody else. Sometimes we think we should have somebody else's abilities. I should be as smart as, I should be as athletic as, I should be as handsome as, I should have as much hair as. You know, we, we have all these things that we, we should have as much of. You know, we'd like to be someone else. But guess what? If you had their life, it would be a burden to you. You couldn't live their life. You see, the life that we are living is perfectly suited for us because God created us in this very special place and time, and the events and the things that we, we face are to develop the character for who we are. Why weren't we born in Africa? Why weren't we born a different nationality? Why weren't we born in a, you know, uh, to a very esteemed family? Why, was, why weren't we born to the poorest of the poor, beggar? You see, <laughs> we're not, we are who we are, and this is our lot, this is our place in life, and God has come to us in this very place that we live in, and we have to believe, have to believe, we believe that God is working in and through us right where we are for who we are. So, the scripture says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God's power shows itself most effectively in your weaknesses. That's a short version of chapter 12, beginning at verse 7. The, the Message Bible says, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. He says, because of the extravagance of those revelations. So Paul has had such great revelations from God. I mean, he, you know, here's a man who's the, the, the genius of the genius. He is the best of the best at, at, at who he is. You know, he went to the finest teacher, um, Gamaliel. He had, you know, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, the elite of the elite, and he, he meets Christ. On the road to Damascus, he sees Jesus. And Jesus makes such an impression upon him, Paul's life is totally changed. And he has these revelations, these understandings, these giftings of, of, of seeing Christ and seeing the truth before him, putting together what was in the Old Testament and how that it fits into Christ and, and all those things. He says, the extravagance of those revelations, the extra, Paul says, the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head, he says, I'm, I, you know, I could think of myself too, too, too highly. I was given the gift of a handicap. I was given the gift of a handicap. Now, what's your handicap? <laughs> you know, sometimes whenever you're a great golfer or, or whatever, they give you a handicap, or you know, you're a great racer and whatever, they, you have to start five minutes behind everybody else because you you're so good, that's the only way other people can compete with you, so that's your handicap. So what is your handicap? What is it that we look at that is our our problem that we carry with us and we want God to overcome it. And it's not your husband. <laughs> I was thinking, Rhonda, it's not your husband, Rhonda. And it's not Rhonda, it's not our kids. They're not our handicap. They're our gifts. You see, if we thought of our life as a gift, if we believed that our life was a gift, if we believe can we believe that God has created us 
who we are, to be who you are, to be that very special person where you are at and to be able to reach into your heart and into your life to change us to the image of Christ so that right where we are at, we can be this person God created us to be. Now, the things that stand in the way, the mask, the peer pressure, wanting to fit in, wanting to be part of something, so much so that we might even join some club that would destroy us because we want to fit in. And, and Paul is saying, I have a handicap. <laughs> and what his handicap does, it is to keep him in constant touch with his limitations. <laughs> Do you ever sit down and just think of all the limitations you've got? You know, I don't have this, I don't have that, I, don't, I, I could have gone here, could have gone there, I made a left turn, should have made a right turn. You know, I was born here and I, I had these parents, I grew up in a dysfunctional home, I had the best of everything. You know, all these limitations. And it's surprising that some people's limitations are other people's giftings. Who was the running back from Penn State, dear, that got all the yards yesterday? Barkley. Barkley, yeah. Now, if I just had his moves, I could have been a professional, you know? <laughs> I could be, you know, if I were seven foot tall, I could be a basketball player. <laughs> and I often think, you know, I stand next to these guys that are six foot six, and I think, man, if I was that big, I'd been a pro football player, you know? <laughs> I'd have been this, I'd have been that. If I'd been better off, you know, you see, seeing your limitations is not a bad thing. But allowing your limitations to set your ceiling as to where you're going to go, that's the bad thing. I can't go there because... Well, Paul has these limitations. He has this thorn in the flesh, he calls it. He has this place, this, this something that is wrong with him that hinders him, buffets him, keeps him in place. And you know what Paul wants? Paul wants rid of it. I want rid of my limitations. You know, I want rid of those things that don't work the way I want them to. I want rid of my uh, faults, the things that I don't do very well. Well, and guess what? Paul says, Satan's angels did his best to get me down. So when Paul saw his limitations, evil saw its opportunity. You see, when we see our limitations and evil comes along, Satan comes along and says, you see, God didn't want you to have, you know, see, well, God, God did this to you. You're a victim. You're not a victor. You are, you are a victim, and God knew you were going to have this problem, and he let you have it anyhow. <laughs> well, Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he, in fact, did, what, would, what did he do, in fact? Push me to my knees. That Paul ended up on his knees praying and being in touch with God about his limitations. And what he says here is that um, no danger then of walking around high and mighty. Of all the great revelations that I have, 
I can't use them to elevate myself. I use who I am to elevate Christ. At first, I didn't think it was a gift. And begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. Then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. You see, in our limitations, in grace is divine favor. Now, in our limitations, in the place that we feel our biggest hindrance, God is saying, that's your, that's your open door for my divine favor, my divine presence, my divine grace, my divine power to flow in. Because when you're weak, it's in your weakness that you become dependent. <laughs> we don't like to be, I don't like to be dependent. You know, I want things to be, I want to be able to do the things I want to do when I want to do them, and let's get them done and go on, let's go on to the new thing. You know, we want these things, but it, you know, it's not going to happen because in this place of dependency, when I don't depend, I can do this on my own. And God wants us to reach a place where we say to ourselves, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. That's where God says, my grace is enough. That whenever we find ourselves thinking that we're, no, we're not good enough and all that stuff, God's presence, God's divine favor says you have been handpicked for your life. <laughs> you have been handpicked for your life. Well, what about my, what about, what? no, 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 no. Those are places you have that are your f weaknesses and you need God to help you in those weaknesses. So in your weaknesses, we go to God in prayer. And that it's in that place God gives us his power to overcome. So we, don't, we, we need the power. <laughs> We're not going to go show off who we are. We believe in God and his strength coming through us into our lives. So we believe. We have this firm conviction, this, this understanding that God loves me so much he made me just who I am and so that I can be right where I am to develop and become a vessel of honor for him. Hmm. So God is looking for the real you. <laughs> what was that? that um, there was a game show on years ago, Truth or Consequences, or was it? where you had, my name is David McGee. Well, my name is David McGee. There was three people said they were the same thing, same person, and then the guy had to pick out which one of them was telling the truth. <laughs> well, God is looking for the real you. You know, the one that has the mask, I can do everything and I have no problems and everything is fine. God blesses me beyond measure and I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, throw that mask out. That's not real. So that the, the reality is, I struggle, I have problems, I fall down, but I get up. You know, there are certain areas of my life that I, you know, I could be better. You see, being real and is, is letting yourself know that we have room to grow. You see, people who have arrived, they, they haven't even showed up, <laughs> you know? The people who have arrived and they give you the impression that they've arrived and, you know, they got it all together, they and their spiritual life, they got it all together and they're so much better than everybody else and everybody is beneath them. 
That is not Christ in the smallest. That isn't even near who Jesus is. To be like Christ is to be the servant of all. To be like Christ is to be able to know where people hurt and be able to have the wisdom and understanding to touch their life. Being being like Christ is allowing yourself to see the needs of the hurting and to recognize in us that we're not perfect and that we will fail. And because I fail, that's not a bad thing. It's the recognition that I'm not perfect and that this is what the strength that I have is not the strength that I get by getting up in the morning and saying, look at me, you lovely world, you know. (laughs) I'm a lovely person in a lovely world and, you know, Click three times and you'll be home. So, being real. Paul is being real. I've had these great revelations. But you know what? I still need Christ every day in my life. God is willing to work in us and he's willing to work on us and he's willing to work through us. And if we're not vulnerable, then we're sealed off because if I'm going to be vulnerable I have to do something outside of my box outside of what I feel comfortable with I have to do things that push my limitations you know uh, the psalmist says that tear down your boundaries tear down your tents enlarge your borders why because tear it down Make yourself bigger. Make yourself more vulnerable. Put yourself out there to do things for people and allow the Spirit of God to nudge you. (laughs) Allow the Spirit of God to quicken you. Allow God to just go and do something for someone. Well, what if I make a mistake? So what? (laughs) You know? So what? You know, the person behind you in line. I want to pay for their dinner. Well, what if they get mad? Okay. Keep your money. (laughs) Pay for it. And they're, wow, paying it forward. I've heard of that. Amen. Thank you. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes we have to tell ourselves, God, I'm acting strong, but I really feel weak. (laughs) And it doesn't mean, you know, because we're doing something, we don't have to, we have to be transparent with God. You can't be transparent with everybody. Because Everybody is not going to understand your transparency. <laughs> you know? They're not going to understand it. So we, there is this person that, that, we, you know, that we live and we are, but it's not a phony person. It's not putting on a show. It's just knowing that we are vulnerable, knowing that, if, that we have to have confidence in ourselves and confidence in God, that if God has given us the opportunity, we need to have the confidence in God to go and do it and to work through it. So Romans chapter 12 says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, this is my, my, kind of my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, the way they say this. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. I like that. It's kind of like your everyday life, you know? Take that and place it before God as an offering. You mean... I can offer it to God. It's just, it's just everyday things. Yeah, give that to God. Give it to him. Say, God, I need your help to do this everyday stuff. 
You mean you can't do it your own? Sure. I can do my everyday life on my own. But what I'm learning to do is doing my everyday life through what God wants me to do. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God wants you to do, embracing what God does for you, excuse me, is the best thing you can do for him. To embrace your everyday life, this ordinary life, to believe that this ordinary getting out of bed now, for some of you, it was very hard after being so excited about the Penn State game last night. But, <laughs> you know, you want to you know, believe that your everyday life is, is blessed by God. Embrace what God has done for you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't be so caught up in your everyday getting up and going out to work. and on the house. Don't be so caught up that you're so well-adjusted you don't need God. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. The culture around you wants to drag you down. Not good enough. Not, don't look good enough. You don't, forget that. That's not God. God brings the best out of you, develops a well-formed maturity in you, now, I'm going to skip down to the last part. It says, now it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. God, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you me. <laughs> I want you to be happy with me. Uh, no. God brings it all to you. Your everyday life, your everyday getting out of bed, doing God is bringing that to you. And he's wanting us to offer it as a sacrifice to him because he is there helping us become it. In the last, it says, and the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not what we are and what we do for him. Hmm. So you see, it isn't me. It is God in me. And it isn't what I do it's what I recognize God doing through me. And my everyday life, the one, my everyday life that I'm so used to, getting out of bed, going this, having breakfast, do the same thing, go to work, it isn't that I'm ordinary doing everyday life. This is God's gift to me, and my, and my understanding of this gift is that I give it back to God and ask for his strength to be able to do this. This I believe. I believe, I'm confident that God is at work in my everyday life, going in and out, my everyday life. Amen? I have a whole bunch more, but I'll stop there. <laughs> it's important that we believe. You see, we're all going to believe. Every person has a measure of faith. God has given to every one of us a measure of faith. We choose where we invest it. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? <laughs> Father, we are grateful that you believe in us. God, that you have entrusted us with our life. 
You've entrusted us with our abilities and our shortcomings. You've given us these problems, these shortcomings, these things that we consider handicaps. You've given them to us to show forth your strength through us. So God, we need your help. We need your help, Lord. We, want to, we invest our lives in you. We believe, Lord, that you have come to us and that we have come to you for such a time as this. Amen? God bless you. <laughs> Amen.